Uh, welcome to the World Game Podcast uh, Russia 2018, episode number three. And uh, you may hear behind me the sound is a bit different because we are on a train on our way to Kazan. It's a 10 hours uh, journey from Moscow. So I'm going to do my best uh, to try to find some uh, Socceroos fans and maybe some French fans as well. Uh, and we'll chat about uh, this journey and this World Cup so far. So I hope you enjoy it. And from my side, as a French Australian, may the best team win. I'm here on the train to Kazan with uh, Spencer. Spencer, how excited are you? It's a long journey to Kazan. It's a bit of an adventure. Yeah, no, it is. It's a long, longer journey from Melbourne as well. I've come straight, a 10-hour flight to China, 10-hour flight to Moscow, and then this, I don't know, 10-hour, I don't know how long this train line's been, but I've got to be asleep. And yeah, I'm excited for match day. Uh, you got to love football. If you do, what, is that 30 hours from, uh, from home to, uh, to support the Socceroos? Yeah, I've been, of course. It's only every four years and you don't often get the chance you know, to travel the world and go somewhere that you wouldn't, you wouldn't go otherwise. And I've never seen Australia in a competitive tournament before, so it'll be, be exciting, yeah. Have you seen many Aussies around? And then, uh, are you travelling on your own? Uh, at the moment I am. I'm meeting a friend in Moscow in a, in a day. But um, yeah, I've seen quite a few Aussies just around, around Moscow in the station. There are a few on this carriage, but a lot of, a lot of Russians as well. But yeah, it's good to see Aussies you know, across the world and you see a lot of them and just speak the same accent and all that, it's nice. Think about it, you're on a train somewhere in Russia and you're wearing this going to meet your team. Yeah, it's exciting and having the flag and everything, I mean, it's going to be a great experience going in there and there'll be well, 30,000 other, 30, other Australians, you know, with the green and gold on. So, um, I know it means a lot to me, but it means a lot to, I think, Australian football as well. Exciting. And one last question. What, what did your family think when uh, you said, I'm going, to, I'm going to Russia and actually I'm going to take a train, uh, a long journey on my own? On a sleep on a sleeping carriage. I don't. I don't think they believe me at first, and I don't think. Um, I don't think I told them all the details until just before I left, and they couldn't really change it. But I think they're excited, nervous, and excited as well. Um, they have. They can see how how much it means to me. So, yeah, they they're happy with it. Dear passengers, in 30 minutes, our train will arrive at the terminus station. We are on the, this train 10 hours from uh, Moscow on the way to Kazan and we meet Stefan, your French fan, you're wearing the, the blue colors on a Russian train, overnight train. How do you feel? Yes, it's a good, uh, it's a good time. Have... What about the Socceroos fan, the, the, the Australian fans? Have you, have you met them? Have you... Yeah, <laughs> I have one uh, soccer fan uh, Australian uh, under my, uh, my, my bed. <laughs> yeah, because we are on the sleeping train, so you have. Uh, have you been able to, to talk about uh, the match about football? Yes, a little. But uh, I think one, and uh, I think the French one. What did your family think when uh, you say I'm gonna go to Russia, and actually I'm gonna get a train overnight on my own? Yes, it's crazy for, for us. It was uh, what I said with the Russian because uh, for Kazan, this is a uh, 10 hours, but uh, for Ekaterinbo, uh, Moscow, this is 43 hours. I, I have the time for make six time uh, to cross France and... Uh, cool, thank you. Uh, we'll let you enjoy your tea because you're having tea here. Uh, coffee, you're having coffee. How's the coffee? Coffee, yes. Is it good coffee? Yes, yes. <laughs> Dear passengers, in five minutes, our train is arriving at the terminus station. Be careful when leaving the train and don't forget your personal belongings. Thank you for choosing Federal Passenger Company. Estimados pasajeros, 
До свидания. Австралия, вперед. Hello. It's the World Game Podcast. Uh, we made a journey up to here. We found some uh, Australian fans. There's plenty. How are you guys feeling? We are on the ground here in Kazan. Feeling confident. Feeling very good. Can't wait to get stuck into the game. I think it'll be a good game. I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. How was the journey? Uh, it wasn't too bad, actually. Yeah, we just we had a nice little cabin to ourselves, had a good sleep, ready to go. We're feeling fresh and excited. So yeah. not any vodka. <laughs> not enough vodka? Or too many? Yeah. Uh, probably just the right amount. <laughs> okay, good luck, guys, and uh, may the best team win. Thank you so much. Good luck to you as well. And now on the ground in uh, Kazan, just before the, the start of the match, we catch up with Piotr, the Socceroos fan representative here in Russia. It's been a, it's been a good lead way for, for you to this, uh, to this match, France against Australia. Yes, it, uh, it's, a, it's a great day, a very exciting day here in Kazan. Uh, yesterday evening we had a fan match between the supporters of France and Australia. Uh, and they, the Australian team uh, just uh, met on the day, uh, but somehow we managed to, to win the game. Talk to us about the atmosphere amongst the, the, the Socceroos fans here, uh, coming up, building up to this match, which is happening today. Oh, the atmosphere is uh, really festive. Uh, I was in Moscow for about five days, uh, saw lots of fans there. Couldn't see that many uh, European fans, but uh, lots of Latin American fans, Peruvians, Peruvians like all over the place, uh, and the Socceroos. Uh, they, they are very colorful uh, people. They are having lots of fun. Met a group of them yesterday, so uh, lots of excitement, yes, for sure. So the wearing the green and gold uh, makes you uh, have new friendships? Yes, definitely. Uh, just walking on the street, uh, you see somebody in green and gold, people saying hi to each other, uh, acknowledging each other. And yeah, it's a, you have a sense of community, just uh, being, being surrounded by uh, people who support uh, your team. Fast forward after the match, France won 2-1. And we'll debrief all this with David Bashir in a minute. So far, the fans are still cheering, and so they should. David Bashir, as promised, in this journey, we took the train overnight, and then now we've watched the match and the score 2-1. Um, it's a defeat for Australia, but not at all a bad defeat, David. Ça va, ça va, how are you? Ça va, ça va, très bien. <laughs> uh, Christophe, it was, um, it was a proud moment for Australia, I think. I think levelling with uh, France and the way they... They put themselves out there defensively. They 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 showed belief. They had structure. They frustrated France. Um, Pogba with a slice of luck for the winning goal. Um, the penalty, yes, you could say either or, but I think on review, it was a penalty to France. Um, I think Risden didn't get any of the ball. A number of replays showed, but it needed four or five replays to confirm that. And I noticed now Bert van Marwijk's been interviewed by the press and. I think his heart, in his head, he's saying it's not a penalty, but I think in his heart he knows it was a penalty. But it was a proud moment, I think. You know, And I hate to say that because we lost the match. But France are a, a powerhouse in world football, so I think we can be very proud. So if we debrief a bit, uh, a bit this match, um, first of all, goal technology, so the video referring. What's your position on this? Because it's, uh, it's clearly made the difference today, changed completely the shape of that match because of that controversy or whether or not there was a penalty and, and the late call for it by, uh, by the referee. What's your reading on this? You know, before it was introduced, I wanted it introduced. I thought goal line technology and the VAR is what football needs. But... The way it's been integrated, I'm not so sure now. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of issues with the interpretation of the VAR, not so much the technology and the way it's been interpreted. Um, like I said today, I think 
to the letter of the law, it was a penalty to France, and Griezmann obviously took his chance superbly. Um, no, no reason to um, review Umtiti's handball because it was so obvious. Um, but overall, I'm not in favour of the VAR. Okay, uh, looking at the teams, Socceroos, what did you like and what didn't you like so much uh, for the team? Well, you know what, Trent Sainsbury was superb in the first probably 80, you know, let's say 90 minutes, the whole match. He was absolutely superb. He led the back line brilliantly. Of course, he's worn the captain's armband for the last couple of internationals leading up to this one. Um, I thought Millet Yedinak at key moments showed his leadership qualities, of course, stepping up for a penalty under the glare of World Cup pressure in that moment was huge, and he's got a perfect record from the spot. He, he did fatigue late, as did Aziz Bayic. There was a number of Australian players, not so much ment physically, but I think mentally, Christoph, they, they fatigued. I think the sustained pressure, um, uh, it took its toll late. But overall, those two, Matthew Leckie always provided a great outlet for Australia. Andrew Naboot was a, a tireless worker. He didn't do too much, and we, we, you know, we didn't get a shot on target. It must be said. A and Matt Ryan, uh, he, you know, you could say he was at fault with the the, the, the Pogba winner, but at the at the end of the day, it took a, a awkward deflection and and looped over the Australian goalkeeper. I think his save early on with on Mbappe was was brilliant. He was very strong. I think there were so many positives. The defense as well. Uh, I thought, for what it's worth, they handled France really well. Because when you look at the value of who's in 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 the attacking line of France, I mean the Aussies didn't fault too much. Well, you know, over over a billion dollars in the total value in the transfer market for France. And you're right, there was question marks over Risden's ability to defend over 90 minutes under this type of pressure, and Aziz Bayic as well. I think largely they answered that question. You can argue that Risden's conceded the penalty, but You know, we're talking about a fraction. He may have got a, a feather-like touch on that ball. We'll never know. The replay said no. But I think overall, and, and, and Van Marwijk said his progression, Josh Risden in particular, has been uh, his most impressive sort of display of any player who's developed in this camp. We saw Daniel Arzani came on late, but he didn't really have too much of an effect on the match. Um, Overall, he can be really pleased, I think, with the defence. I think Trent Sainsbury is an outstanding defender. He'll, he'll raise a lot of eyebrows and attract a lot of attention from this World Cup. The role of Aaron Moy is, is definitely the key player to organise that, that midfield. Absolutely. His ability to, to get his foot on the ball and, and just slow the tempo down. I think that's what he did really well. Um, you know, they looked to him in board. I don't think France actually applied the sort of pressure they would have liked on Aaron Moy and that allowed him a little bit more time on the ball. But overall, his, you know, that's his best performance for quite some time for the Socceroos. We wanted to see him influence a little bit more with the set pieces, the free kicks. He didn't quite get that right. But overall, I think he was really the pivot point like N'Golo Conte was for France. He was, I think he was man of the match for mine. I think he, he was absolutely superb for Le Bleu. If we look now on the opposition, so Les Bleus, as you, you mentioned, the France won 2-1. Uh, I reckon if I translate it well, in France, the word would be scrappy, untidy. Uh, is that your reading as well? I think it, it was very Deschamps in its win, wasn't it, in a way, because I think the French supporters, the fans expect so much more from this wildly uh, attractive and, and attacking team, but they didn't get it today. And I think you're right. You, you mentioned to me before about the, the synchronicity between Mbappe, Dembele and Griezmann. It didn't work today. We thought it would interchange well. We thought the fact that they were more mobile, they'll get in behind the defence that was largely untested at this level. Um, maybe he would have been better off playing Giroud from the front, but he didn't. Um, I think 
France have got a, l a long way to go before they push the big names of world football in this tournament. It may be that traditional slow start that we, we know Le Bleu can produce in a major championship, but I'm not so sure. I think they've, they've got a ways to go. What about Pogba? I think Pogba... I thought hope Pogba held really well uh, in this position, but is he played at the right position, do you think? I mean, we, I know Lucy has been arguing this for, for pretty much ever. Uh, is she right? He looks better with Tolisso in the squad. I think he, he and Matuidi like that left side of midfield, don't they? And Conte sits in the centre. He sits quite quite well. He's a brilliant player, but he's not doing enough. He's the best young player of 2014. When he left Juventus for Manchester United, he was the outstanding talent. I think he has not improved under Jose Mourinho. And I think it's showing that with the French national team. Yes, he's still productive. Is he the Paul Pogba of four years ago? He's not. What about Mbappé? Um, because Mbappé is the prodigy. He's 19. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he had a good first five minutes. And then after that, he became quite... I don't know, he wanted to do almost too much. Yeah, he, he drifts in and out of matches. He plays off the shoulder brilliantly. And you're right, that early chance that he, he fired into Matt Ryan's near post was, you, you know... Basically, the hairs went up on the back of my neck because there's nowhere else for it to go up. And I thought, here's, it may be the day for Kylian Mbappe. You know, he was trying to become the youngest ever goal scorer. He's the youngest ever World Cup player for France. We know that. He didn't do the job to the extent that he can today. Dembele was disappointing as well. We know the injury problems he's had at Barcelona. And Griezmann's had all those issues surrounding Atletico Madrid and the, and the live TV show in Spain and all the drama that, that is not very Didier Deschamps, but he doesn't like that sort of build-up. So you just wonder where, whether those elements played a part. But I think Giroud can be actually bringing some maturity into this whole squad at the front. Well, you know, he's the fourth all-time leading scorer. He's, he leads from the front. He's not the most gifted of strikers, but he always does the job for France. I'm not sure the head injury really played a, a part in Deschamps' decision not to select him from the start, but he's the sort of guy that can change the formation. You know, with Giroud, they traditionally play the two up front with the four in the midfield. Um, and personally, I think that's a better shape for France. Overall, uh, your rating on, on Australia, I mean, it's, it's like I said at the beginning of this chat, it's a loss, but it's not such a negative loss because it opens up a lot of hope for Denmark and Peru. It does. And, you know, for 80 minutes, I would have given it a 9.5 out of 10 for structure, belief and so forth. We did fray in the last 10 minutes. And I think that did show Fakir made a big difference when he came on. He was the X factor for France. He really gave Bayic a lot of problems on our left, France's right. So I think overall very positive. I think we can go into Denmark saying that we can win this match. We can get three points out of Denmark if we played to that level and maybe add a few more elements. I would have liked to have seen Daniel Arzani for another 10 minutes in this match. Maybe he'll get that luxury against uh, Denmark. He said from the outset, Van Marwijk, he's not ready at this level to play 90 minutes. And I do agree with him there. But I think against Denmark and Peru, he can play a bigger part. Uh, Tim Cahill didn't play. Where do you see Cahill performing in this World Cup? We know he's chasing a record. We talked about it yesterday with, uh, with Craig. Uh, where do you think he's going to have time and where do you think he's going to have that one goal he's looking for? It's a really good question. I think the biggest chance for him to make an impact is against Peru because Peru don't defend their... That's their weak point. They don't defend aerial balls from out wide particularly well. I think Denmark are a lot better in that respect. Shimon Kehr's an outstanding defender. Christensen as well, very good in the air. So I think the third match, I don't want to say that we're going to have to wait until the third match to see Tim Cahill, but I think that's the way it's going to transpire.
So when you're going to do that call and that Cahill goal for the fourth World Cup, you mentioned the hair lifting up on your body. Uh, are you already preparing for, you, for yourself or what you would potentially say for that? Uh, Christophe, I'd rather your hair do than mine. But look, you always prepare. As soon as Tim Cahill comes on, in the back of your mind and the front of your mind, you know something could happen. And I think he's that type of player. And I really do hope it happens for him. What has been your highlight so far? In this tournament, I know it's early days, but we had a, an awesome match yesterday, 3-3 between Portugal and Spain. Is that your highlight or is there something else? Absolutely highlight. It's one of the best World Cup matches I've seen for drama, intensity, the, the, the narrative around Lopetegui sacking and Iero untested at this level. But basically, Ronaldo carried Portugal over the line for their point. He is just a phenomenal performer for, for club and country, but he lifted to levels he's never lifted before in national team colours. It was an outstanding performance and a brilliant uh, piece of theatre, football theatre. The question, can he do it all the way? Because it's a long way and can Portugal win it with pretty much only Ronaldo? Well, they don't have enough depth and I don't think Ronaldo can physically carry them to the sort of levels they need to get to to, to even be a top you know, top semi-final team. I don't think they're going to get there. Okay, thanks, David. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. And uh, you know what? I've got a train to catch because we've got another... Actually, this time it's 14 hours on the train to go back. Okay, thanks, Christophe. Au revoir. All right, guys, this is it for the uh, World Game podcast uh, today, all the way uh, from uh, Russia 2018, all the way from Kazan. And this train journey, I hope you enjoyed uh, traveling with us on this. Uh, back to a normal podcast with uh, Craig and Lucy uh, tomorrow. But for now, I've got another train to catch, like I just said to, uh, with David. It's a longer one. So uh, wish me luck and tune in for the next round of the podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash the world game. On uh, Twitter, where we are uh, at the world game, you can also have, uh, of course, this uh, brilliant Twitter show with Lucy and Craig. And uh, for us, it will be tomorrow morning. Bye for now.